This week, between the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, the Triple Crown is still the main topic of conversation on the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. Steve Kranacki of NBC News talks about his successful pick of Medina Spirit in the Derby, and he looks forward to the Preakness. So does trainer Mike McCarthy, who sends his Colt Rombauer to race in the second jewel of the Triple Crown. South Point's Chris Andrews will handicap weekend races. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is available for download Friday at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts and sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back. Hour number two, Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. Uh, and James, uh, we, <laughs> the betting world uh, uh, fascinates me because we can bet on who the starting quarterback will be in week one for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, this is interesting to me because I know Garoppolo's saying the right things. Uh, Trey Lance, he's 20 years old right now. But look, Garoppolo, he's a favorite, minus 280. Trey Lance, uh, plus 220. Rosen, 33 to 1. Everybody forgets about Josh Rosen, the top 10 pick uh, from a few years ago. Uh, but here's the betting market for the starting quarterback uh, week one for the 49ers. We talked about what's interesting and things that we can bet on. Hey, it's an old adage in, in gambling, Pritch. If it's got a pulse or it moves, you can bet it. And so here, who's going to move into the starting role for the quarterback position for San Francisco? I, I think with, with Trey Lance, it when does he see the field? I just can't imagine that he would be the one to see the field week one. I think there's so much just with the, the intricacies of the 49er offense that Shanahan employs, that's going to take so much time for, for a young quarterback. And he is a young quarterback, right? As he's just 20 years old or 21 mm -hmm. by the time we start the season, young player out there, not a lot of experience either. And so I, I just, I mean, we look at these here and I did forget Josh Rosen. I didn't know Rosen was still even in the <laughs> NFL. So the fact that he's sitting there at 33 to one, it may as well be uh, 330,000 to one unless those two, you know, Garoppolo and Lance go down at some point in the preseason or OTAs, anything like that. But I, I just, I can't imagine that Lance would be ready to th be thrust into week one as a starter for the San Francisco 49ers, just knowing that Garoppolo, I, I think if anything, I know, Pritch, you've, you've said it multiple times when we've had discussions about quarterback controversies and you are, let's not call it a controversy because that's what it turns into, right? Is Right. We're talking about quarterback competition ends up turning into a controversy. And I don't know if that would mean that Lance and Garoppolo, there's going to be a controversy there. I think obviously you're moving up. Are the are you as the 49ers to go get a quarterback like Trey Lance? That is the that is the future of your franchise going forward. But is that going to be week one? I just don't suspect. I can't see how that's happening. And obviously the price reflects that at almost three dollars. You have to lay on Garoppolo to be the starter, which I, I that's got to be the way they got to go. OK, some things to consider. Uh, the off-season dates have been released, and, and so they're going to have one uh, rookie minicamp, James, I believe. Teams are going to have a rookie minicamp. They're going to have the OTAs, uh, which is about 10 days uh, in total. Uh, then they're going to have a mandatory minicamp as well. So uh, throw in preseason. Here's where it gets interesting to me. Say Trey Lance, at 21 years of age now, uh, plays very, very well in preseason. What's the decision point for the 49ers? I mean, Garoppolo, he's a lame duck situation right now. Uh, do they go with him at minus 280 as a starting quarterback week one? Or if Trey Lance impress enough in the preseason, do the 49ers go with Trey Lance? I guess it's a matter of how much stock do you really put into the importance and the performance 
that is played out in preseason. I feel like we've, we've in years past, right, this year it's just going to be three preseason games. We know in years past, really, it was kind of that third preseason game felt like the tune-up for the regular season. Most of the starters maybe getting a half, maybe a bit longer, depending on depending on the team, obviously. But, but here, I don't know, how much are you really going to take away from preseason? How much are teams really going to be looking to, as far as starters go to, to think about performance, especially when you're knowing that on the other side, your opponent, how much are you really getting out of that? I mean, Pritch, what does preseason mean? What did preseason mean to you as a player, not only from the offensive standpoint, but when you played your opponents, that defensive side, I mean, were they really, they were, how, how much scheme was really going into a preseason game to go against the particular team that you were facing? Or is it we're trying to get a look at some of the, you know, some of our younger players, look at what the depth is going to look like for, for our team rolling into this roster, rolling into the season here in a few weeks. I mean, what can you really take away from preseason that you experience to where now we're looking at a condensed preseason only having three games this year? James, my rookie year, preseason was everything. I mean, our first game was against the Rams, uh, and we were getting to start uh, Brett Favre and myself, and he threw me three touchdown passes. So I got to catch three touchdown passes from Brett Favre on national TV in preseason. So that was everything and kind of cemented me as a starter. Certainly, I wanted to be a starter. So at that number one preseason game for a rookie, I think the approach will be as if it was a regular season game. I mean, you're trying to uh, distinguish yourself, establish yourself. Uh, and then say, certainly if Trey Lance is a future uh, why would he wait? Why not just take over being the starting quarterback uh, for the San Francisco 49ers? Well, I, well, I, it's not going to be his decision to right. make for, for but starters. I'm just saying right? but, from but his approach, but, though. Well, sure. I, I mean, for the young players, this is your chance to stand out, right? Hey, they they invested a lot in me to move up to number three to pick me. Absolutely. I'm coming out with uh, guns blazing. I'm going to give my absolute best performance I can in the preseason. I'm just saying on the other side, right. what are teams doing to scheme against you? Are they even bothering to scheme against you? A lot of vanilla coverages, and we're just trying to see. We're trying to look at our young guys, too. I'm not. So I think from the standpoint for the young players getting in and getting their first taste of NFL football, for sure, they're going to be bringing it and and bringing full energy and intensity. I'm just thinking about from a coaching standpoint, and you're looking at, okay, yeah, he looked really good in preseason, but we also have to consider what were we facing in the preseason as opposed to what is this young quarterback going to actually face come regular season. I think it's just got to be, right, Pritch? It's got to be a different dynamic from, it is. from from an X's and O's standpoint of what the preparation looks like because how much preparation goes into a preseason game, preparation for your opponent as opposed to preparing to get your guys just ready to play and get some guys some reps just to see what they can do. Yeah, that's for the coaches to work out. As a player, James, I just wanted to line up and give me my helmet. Let me go out there on the field and play and perform uh, whatever play you call. So that's why I think this is fascinating. Uh, so let's go to the Chicago Bears. Andy Dalton minus 170. I'm thinking that preseason is going to mean everything to Andy Dalton with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Justin Fields plus 160. Uh, the quarterback and, and waiting there in Chicago. Well, and this is not only with these quarterbacks, you're just thinking of damage control from the, you know, a few years ago when they moved up from, to number two from three to go get Trubisky, whatever it was, the smoke screens that they were not reading those tea leaves and figuring somebody was going to pounce on Trubisky ahead of them and they needed to hustle and move and, and snatch their guy. I mean, now you're at a place where finally can move forward with a new quarterback regime and this is where we're going as the Chicago Bears and Dalton is really just a mercenary, right? It's a short-term, it's short-term deal 
deal for for Dalton at Chicago. Is Dalton going to be the answer to lead them to the playoffs and and compete for a, you know compete for the NFC Championship? I that's not the guy. Who's the guy that they want to see now? It's Fields. Obviously, the the fans want to see Fields out there, but from the coaching side, uh, is it are you just trying to win some games and and kind of ease Fields along, or it's like, hey, we needed to be make this splash. We moved up in the draft to go get Fields. Mm -hmm. This is clearly the quarterback of the future for us. Does the future start week one, Pritch, in your mind, or does it start later? I feel like why wait if you're the Bears? If, if this is your future, yeah. get them out there. We're seeing that now with so many quarterbacks too, right? It's not just hold the clipboard and learn from the veteran in front of you. It's toss the clipboard, put on the helmet, kid. We need you out on the field. You're our future. Right, because you have the GM and the head coach uh, on the hot seat together right <laughs> the hot bench out there in chicago um right well because i think about it even if they let's say dalton's in there and veteran quarterback and it, what does he have left it had some good you know some ups and downs with mm -hmm. the uh, number of starts that he got with dallas but you know the, right now is it is it about winning some football games or is it hey well, let's get our best let's get our future out there on the field because they are on the hot seat what is more what what is the hotter seat is it to win football games for the bears which i think their defense will keep them competitive in so many contests for the season or so is it the hot seat to get W's or is it the hot seat to move on from Trubisky and we want to see the future of our franchise at the quarterback position and that is Justin Fields I actually I actually like that bet Justin Fields to be the week one starter plus 160 because I mean if he can't beat out Andy Dalton why did they draft him I think this guy has a chance of beating out Andy Dalton in offseason and, and through the preseason uh, and being that week one starter for Chicago yeah, and I, I've, and so even if it's beating out is one thing, right? And you'll see a lot of things that that they'll work through in practice that we won't be privy to and see. But beating out is one thing, and then the other piece is what do we need? What are we? Where are we at going forward right now? And knowing that we need to put a new face to this franchise, and we mm -hmm. know obviously it's not Dalton. He's just a, a the, <laughs> the stopgap for them, right? But yep. I do too. I think why wait? Why wait? Put it out there. Let's get feel that they're all right. Yeah, maybe Dalton can potentially win us some more games early in the season just because of the learning curve for rookies is, is going to be, we know it, obviously it's challenging and you can speak to that directly, but uh, this isn't a quarterback controversy either, right? Fields is going to clearly be their guy. Why not just get it going and say, this is the face of our franchise and we're ready to get after it come week one with Justin Fields at the helm. All right, let's move over to New England. Cam Newton, uh, he's minus 280 to be the week one starting quarterback out there in New England. Mac Jones plus 300. Uh, we'll throw in Stidham. Uh, he's out there at uh, plus 800 as well. Yeah, this one's interesting, right? Because it was the, the talk, what was New England going to do? Were they going to move up? Were they going to go after the quarterback? What were they going to do in the draft? And then they didn't have to do anything. Mac Jones just falls right there. Was it 15 that fell right to, to New England? And this is their guy. Now, is this is that what they foresaw along and knew that the, ultimately that was how it was going to play out? I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah. just think of with Cam Newton, we saw what we saw the ceiling with Cam Newton last year, right? It, it's he clearly from an accuracy standpoint, he's just not the same player that he was when he came out of college and, and burst on the scene, especially the physicality that he played with. Obviously, he was running the football and they had a lot of design plays for Cam Newton to run the football. But I think all the contact that he had suffered those first hand, you know, that that first decade of his of his career in this in the league, the way that he played really took a toll on him physically and he just doesn't have the arm anymore to do those types of things that he did early in his 
his career. Here you are with the Patriots, too. That's kind of the thing as well. well thinking about what Belichick does, and let's get inside. You take, Can you take us inside that locker room and take us inside the mindset for Belichick when it comes to veteran play at the quarterback position? We think about Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady was not, you know, he was a la- you know, sixth-round pick, not a first-round pick for the yeah. Patriots. But, uh, you know, letting Drew Bledsoe play it out there until he got banged up and Brady got his shot. I don't know how long Cam Newton will be able to stay as a starter just from a health standpoint to begin with. I don't know. It's a big price to lay with Cam Newton sitting there at 280, but I just don't know. if Is is Mac Jones, do you feel like that's going to be the way that Belichick wants to go come week one? Not week one. I think uh, at some point it could happen during the season. Uh, but week one, I, I see why Cam is minus 280 right there. I mean, that, that would probably be the tendency for uh, Bill Belichick, uh, McDaniels as well as a coordinator. Uh, you know, there's so much to that offense, and I think they're so, they're, they're so different at quarterback, uh, Mac Jones and Cam Newton. Uh, so you're going to have to install a complete different offense with Mac Jones, more so than you are with Cam. And uh, I think week one, that's a lot to ask. I do too, and and I I, I agree with your pitch. I think it's got to be Cam Newton to get it started at at some point as the season progresses. We'll see Mac Jones in there. Really, kind of de- kind of potentially dependent upon how does how does Cam perform right now right. to to Cam's you know not to, not for last year knowing that they didn't have an off season to work things out. No preseason either for Cam Newton to have to come over and play with the Patriots. So now he'll have the benefit of being able to to have the full summer to work with with. McDaniels and through that offense having been through it last year and and maybe hopefully be healthier this year than he was last year too. I suspect it's got to be Cam Newton to start the season and it's just a matter of how long because I think that's the other thing too. I don't think there's the urgency there for the Patriots Mm -hmm. to put Mac Jones in there at the quarterback the way I feel like there is definitely an urgency when we're talking about the Bears earlier and the prices reflect that right but definitely I feel the urgency for sure with the Bears with Fields as opposed to the Patriots with Mac Jones all right finishing up with some baseball uh, updates uh, James because here's that question I asked to you at the beginning of the show uh, more reliable betting angle at this point of the season uh, starting pitching or weak bullpens right now the Astros lead uh, the Yankees seven to four in uh, the ninth uh, and then you got the Red Sox and Detroit Tigers tied eight to eight. Uh, Rangers Twins tied at three. Uh, the Mets two to one uh, over the Cardinals. Uh, and then you got the Indians three zero over uh, the Royals one uh, zero underway there with Toronto uh, and the Oakland A's as well. So that well, yeah, the Yankees game is incredible right now. Well, right. Well, and you were thinking about, and one of the things you think about when you're talking about strengths, if you're if you're going to try to to dig through and find some some teams in Major League Baseball that have a strong bullpen, you feel like, all right, we got a lead going. We're going to pull Cole out. We have a lead with Garrett Cole through seven innings. That's the strength of our team. We have a strong bullpen. Do the Yankees? Uh, that would be the way I would have been looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I like the my prospects going into these last two innings with the the strength of the Yankees bullpen to close this game out. And Chad Green comes up. He can't finish. I mean, he got blasted. He gave up. He he only made. He only got one out. Gave up a home run. I think it was Altuve that went yard ball on him. But three earned ones. Three earned runs, a walk, a home run, 
dumped the lead, and yeah, now the strength that was the Yankees bullpen actually turned into the detriment for this team when you got a good start out of Garrett Cole. So, yeah, you 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 said, Pritch, you like to roll the bones and get out there and, and get to the crap table and fire dice. At this point here, trying to identify which bullpens can hold down any kind of leads, uh, you might be better off going to the crap table. <laughs> you might be right. I'm going to ride this ticket, though, uh, the ones that I've been winning, at least anyway. Um, but Presley on the bump now for uh, Houston and top of the order uh, for the Yankees, too, now down 7-4 to four here in that ninth. So I love the drama, though. Yeah. That's, well, and that's what makes that's what makes baseball such a it's a fun sport. But as far as betting on it, uh, sometimes it's better to watch. Right now, I was trying to find the live line on this right here with the Yankees, but it's actually off the board. I do not have a live line on where that stands with the Yankees. Like you said, meat of the order coming up for the Yankees here in the last of the night. Yeah, let's get to it. Uh, you know, we have some odds on uh, Power Five and Conference uh, champions, uh, James, and uh, any letdowns, possible letdowns uh, from the favorites. We're going to discuss that after this break. Looking to hire? Indeed will help you speed up the process. They have 135 skills tests to help you find the right candidates faster. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back. It's hour number two, Betting Across America. And we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you. James, I mean, it is it's kind of disgusting. I mean, think about it. I'm looking at Cole and the seven innings that he did. Uh, 97 pitches, only two earned runs. Uh, and then mom spaghetti on green's uniform after that. I mean, that's where baseball kind of gets treacherous there. Well, you're playing for if you're when you're playing for that full nine innings, right? It's that's that's where we talked about it too, right? Just trying to find different ways to dig into if you want to bet baseball right now. That that there's plenty of other options out there. <laughs> live betting one that right. we talked about, but also whether it's player props or those first five. Uh, to me, I'm really it's very rare, and I know I did take the Marlins today for the full nine for the full game anyway uh, to win that game. I just thought the price sitting at a dollar thirty was was a pretty good price for a, a Diamondbacks team that's really banged up and not hitting the baseball very well but aside from that it's that's definitely the exception pritch when i'm playing these games when i'm betting major league baseball for mm-hmm. a full nine innings that is the exception it is nowhere nowhere close to being the norm at this point and we're seeing why here you get cole on you fired <laughs> yeah. on cole feeling good about it and you feel like the yankees have a good bullpen that can hold up all you need is six outs yeah not gonna get it done right 18 pitches and three runs i mean it gets ludicrous sometimes out there with baseball right now uh college football the power of five conference uh, they have their favorites, the odds here. So here we go. ACC, of course, is Clemson, minus 900. Uh, the Big Ten, Ohio State, uh, minus 150. The Big 12, Oklahoma, uh, minus 130. SC, plus 250 out there in the Pac-12, James. Uh, and then the SEC, Bama, minus 105. Uh, any chance that uh, one of these favorites could let us down here uh, in terms of winning their Power 5 conference? 
Well, I guess I, I'll jump right to the Pac-12. For starters, I don't think USC, that, to me, that's Oregon's always the team that has by far. the. It just feels like think about the facilities and the talent that comes in and out of that. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Cristobal as the coach, but just talent-wise alone, Oregon is really loaded. And talk about coach that I like in in the Pac-12, that's Utah and Kyle Whittingham. And I know they got Brewer, the, the transfer, coming over from Baylor at the quarterback position. That was really kind of – last year's Pac-12, this, this, I feel like you just don't take – you really can't take anything from what we saw last year in the Pac-12, obviously starting very late, and then COVID just ravaged basically almost every one of those programs uh, throughout their shortened season. So that's partly one of them. Uh, the other one, this is, I mean, you, you look at you look at uh, Alabama, and we know tons of talent. They're, they're so used to losing so much talent year in and year out, and they just reload, right? And mm-hmm. so many good players that, that with the program that they've done there with, with uh, the Crimson Tide, that even though Georgia is, is a team that now with Barrett, is he ready to take the, the reins and, and be that guy there at, at with Daniels to, to step in there who started the last four games, played really well? Is that the guy to, to lead them to, to put it on and, and be able to take overtake Alabama? I don't know. I don't think that's the route I'm going to go. What do you think about the the Big 12 and Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler and and stepping in there? You know, they've won, what, five, six straight, I think, Big 12 titles. But, you know, Iowa State bringing back 19 starters from yeah. last year's team that I think, you know, I think that first half in that in that Big 12 championship game, I think for, for Iowa State, they were, yeah, maybe just, you know, uh, deer in the headlights, just the, the, the spotlight was really big at that time. But really, they were the better team in that second half, bringing back as many starters as they did, hungry from that experience that they learned from that experience going into this season as the schedule's really favorable for Oklahoma but how do you feel about the Big 12 or any of these other conferences where are you looking at well you got a new coach uh, there at Texas um, plus 450 right there can start kind of have some enthusiasm he's got some transfers over there Uh, one thing about college football too not only the uh, spring football schedule that they were able to have James but there was a lot of players in a transfer portal Uh, so I would keep an eye on that and and find out um, which teams, which programs are really excited about some of the players they landed in that transfer portal. You know, you got some guys who get that extra year or two because of COVID. Uh, so maybe the Big 12 might be a little bit more wide open, more so than the SEC. I mean, Alabama, I wouldn't even touch that one. Uh, they're not going to let anybody down out there. Clemson, the same way. Uh, Pac-12, the Big 12, I would definitely keep an eye on those two conferences, though. Yeah, and and I just uh, if you think about that too. Yeah, the trap because last year obviously was with the extra eligibility and the the portal, the way that it's set up right. for for players through the COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where uh, that's and then stability. And I think stability at the at the coaching position. Yeah, Texas Texas always has plenty of talent, and I think their front seven was really dominant from last year. What does that look like with Sark? What is he going to do with that offense coming in? Uh, but I just kind of circle back to the Pac-12 in Utah. I just really the, the, talk about a main stay there at Utah, Kyle mm-hmm. Whittingham. That's just the coach I really like in yeah. transfer portal. Get the kid from Baylor to step in there and, you know, senior, older older player there. Uh, that's a good fit, I think, with, with Whittingham, and especially the way he, you know he's going to pound the football, and then you have solid quarterback play, veteran quarterback play, yep. in a sense, for college behind him. Kind of like Utah. All right. Like that. Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to go out to some of our picks. Uh, underdog of the day, uh, over of the day, under of the day. That's coming up next.
The NHL and NBA playoff races are in high gear, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges, edges as a regular season winds down. VSIN hockey expert Amy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action, and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insights. Every night they are looking at the teams who are tanking and which squads are playing to save their season to find the best bets on the boards. Our experts are and our entire uh, VSIN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds, and analysis on, on every game. Uh, all on vsin.com, our daily members-only best bet emails and in-depth coverage of every major sport Endpoint spread weekly. Now is the time to cash in on the push to the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at vsin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you. Uh, James, we have some plays here uh, over of the day uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball, NBA, or the NHL. Uh, tasked to have some plays uh, readily available for the audience. Uh, where are you going with your over of the day? Uh, my over of the day is I am going under. I don't have an over for the day because I think with <laughs> basketball, I, I was I, I'm I. You know, with baseball, it's it's difficult to start to try to find any of these games. I wanted to. I was looking at one of the overs when we talked about the the earlier game with Smiley going out there against Lester. But you know, those lineups, especially for the Nats, have suffered through COVID. And I was looking at the the total at nine. It went down to eight and a half, and mm-hmm. so I got off of that. I didn't play that. I just stuck with the Lester play. But uh, I can't find an over anything here that I like. And I think for NBA, it's just kind of tricky right now to. To, to try to assess where players and who's going to be available and are they going to bring it on, on the defensive end of the floor because I think we're starting to see a lot of them aren't bringing that. So there's I think there's plenty of money to be made in the overs right now at the NBA, but I don't have one. Where are you going with the over? Well, I'm going with the Nets uh, and Dallas. We kind of talked about that before. Porzingis, uh, I believe he's going to be out, uh, certainly Luka. And then the Harden situation, the Kyrie not talking to anybody situation, not ISO basketball, but certainly – wanting to get after it in terms of points, uh, KD as well. Um, uh, so, you know, the motivational fact, I mean, I get that uh, from a playoff standpoint, seeding standpoint, but uh, it is basketball. I mean, these guys want to score, uh, especially if they're about scoring. And, and no defense, really, from, from Brooklyn. Uh, so I'm hoping for the over and the 235, there's the total. Yeah, I hear you. I got it sitting at 234 here. There's never going to be a, a Brooklyn Nets game that they're going to put a total out that I'm going to look to play under, even though these some of these totals, we saw that against Milwaukee, and I think they're able to get the under, at least in that first game. It was sitting at like 245, 245 and a half. Just mm-hmm. feels like those old school all-star game totals that we used to see that now are sitting in the 300s. But even that number, it's that's the price point. It's just too high. That, that Nets team right now, the ability to score for one, yeah, they have it, but their defensive line abilities it's just never a team that i could ever look under so i understand where you're going for sure yeah i was just thinking uh, from an energy standpoint look if we got to play these games uh, in the association uh, i'm playing offense i'm not playing d i'm not d'ing up anybody uh I, it, look that's not a cap uh that's not an angle uh maybe just a feeling with that overplay right there how about under of the day yeah my under of the day was the john lester 
Yeah, the under at under 15 and a half outs, just knowing he just got back from a, you know, it sounded like from what I read, not a good step, you know, and, and to rightfully so, getting back and getting healthy, dealing with COVID for as long as he had. He's only had one start this year last week, went five innings, only pitched 70, had only 70 pitches in that game, which tells me, yeah, he's still got to get his his arm strength back. He's still got to get acclimated to, to getting back on the mound. And so I think for Washington, there's another team. I feel like has a good bullpen. We've been talking about trying to assess teams that have a solid bullpen that you can count on. The Nationals are one of the few teams that I feel like that have a good handle on a team that feels like that's a good bullpen that I can trust. I didn't want to trust that lineup. Wasn't sure if Soto was going to play today uh, with his injuries too, if he's going to be back in the lineup. It really is the catalyst for that Nationals team. So, But that's the way I went under with John Lester, under 15 and a half outs, figuring they're still going to stretch his, stretch his arm out. If they get five innings out of him, that'll be enough for him to pull him out and go uh, to the bullpen for those late innings for the Nats. Okay, I'm going under with uh, Tampa Bay uh, and the Angels are back at it. Uh, that totals eight. Uh, taking another shot here, James, uh, in terms of I'm not going to back the Rays uh, like I did yesterday as a dog. Uh, but I am looking at that total to go under. Uh, you know, the, the, pool ho- the pool holes news, I, I don't know if it's going to affect uh, the clubhouse at all. Um, but, look, I mean, this is a downer when somebody like that probably gets uh, released right there in front of you. Uh, who's ever going to step in and step up? Uh, we'll see what happens there with the Angels. But uh, maybe that pool holes news kind of affects that ball club. Potentially, right? I think I think they all knew it was coming. When it was coming, it was going to be, what yeah. does that hat look like? He wasn't getting as many at-bats, right? Really, Jared Walsh was going to be the one that was taking those ABs, and that's that's their first baseman going forward. But, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I, could, you could, I guess you could see either way. Yeah, downer that he's there. But I think to celebrate his career as well, I think that's another thing because he's had an outstanding career. We talked about him not only on the field, but all the stuff and the exploits that he's done from a philanthropy standpoint off the field. Just a great guy all around moral compass always pointing north for a guy like pool host so i don't know i don't know if that's an angle or not but it's probably one that i'll just i'll just lay away from because it could be somebody for sure that you want to celebrate the great career of albert Pujols. yeah i mean so we'll see if the uh, if the ball club could celebrate it uh certainly uh I, I, he's going to be on their minds i would imagine though uh underdog of the day where are you going with your dog I'm, I'm going with I'm going with the Hornets, and I know that Bridges is out and banged up, but uh, I'm just looking at the Bulls talking about Levine. Maybe he's coming back today. He's talking about another one who had to go through COVID uh, struggles. He I think he's been out for about three weeks, so he's been off the plane. You know, he's been off the hardwood for a while here. It's not just something to step in and say, well, Levine's back now and great player and was the leader of that team and and facilitator for that team as far as you know putting the ball in the hole. But you know, he hasn't been on the floor for quite a while. So what is this, not only is Stamel going to look like, he's going to be rusty stepping out there. Vucevic as well uh, on the interior has been banged up. So bad hip coming here to a Charlotte team that I like the energy and the competitive effort that we've seen out of the Charlotte Hornets. They're now getting four. That was three and a half earlier. It's up to four. The, the Hornets here in this situation, I like them. I like what we've seen with them at, a, at home. I know Bridges is out, but Ball has come back, and now he's got his competitive legs back under him. Uh, as far as the Bulls are concerned, the, the 
it lost the last four. You know, they're sitting three and a half games out of the tenth place, uh, that last spot behind, uh, with Toronto ahead of them too. Pritch, I just don't see like Levine coming back. I'm not sure to what capacity he's going to be able to compete. This is not a guy or a team that I want to say I'm going to lay four on the road against the Hornets team that's very competitive. You know what? Uh, when uh, uh, our experts tell us uh, it's probably our best option not to make a bet, <laughs> that's when it comes to the dog today. Uh, I'm leaning Lakers at plus eight uh, here, James. Leaning. Well, lean yourself. Make sure you know who's going to play. We know LeBron's not right. going to play, but there's always, I think like the Lakers, their game time decision list question will assist is longer than who's actually, right. we know is going to be on the court. So I'd hang on and we'll see who's available. All right. Coming up next, our expert, Jonathan Von Tobel. Help us out with the NBA, will you? It's coming up next. Everybody, here's a great chance to join the sports betting excitement with BetMGM and win $100 for a $1 wager on either the Lakers or Clippers to hit a three. Just use bonus code VSIN100 and get in the ring with the king of sportsbooks. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and use promo code VSIN100. It's a new customer offer and paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21 years old. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan. Disassociated persons, please gamble responsibly if you feel you have a problem. It's 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text that red line, 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America. And we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today. Uh, happy to bring on our senior NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT. How's it going? Good guys. Hey man, only about six what six games left in the season. We got uh, nothing settled, so every single one of these games is important for each and every one of these teams, man. Okay, uh, I'm listening to that, and I'm gonna okay Brooklyn and Dallas. Uh, it's important to them. Uh, JBT. I, I, the only the only thing I like in this game uh, is probably the over. Uh, what do you what do you see in this uh, matchup? No, I would agree with that sentiment. It's why you, you saw this pitch. Some spots open as low as 233, others 233 and a half, and, and now we're sitting at like 235, right? I think that's number of like stations, things like that. But they, look, these are two teams that I think you do a lot well offensively that the other will have trouble with, right? Both teams are a little shoddy along the perimeter in terms of their defensive prowess. Both teams are really good at shooting above the three-point shots, something the other struggled to defend. A lot of good offensive talent. Like, those are the things that you're looking at with a matchup like this. I would say one thing, though, when it comes to this total that's a little bit worrisome, right? Like, when you have a, a, a offensive player like Kristaps Porzingis that's not going to play tonight, that does hurt you if you're Dallas in terms of your offensive output, right? Also, you know, Max Cleaver's not going to play tonight either, so your front court's a little shorthanded. So from a side perspective, Dallas a little up against it. You're going to need a really good game 
from Luka Doncic. But I think if you're just looking at this on paper and statistically, both of these teams do something well on offense that the other struggles to defend against. And I think that's why you see this go from 233, 233 and a half to 235. JVT seeing a line move here. I'm looking at this Bulls-Hornets game. Now, I know there's talk about the yeah. lean coming back to the Bulls through, you know, being away for, what, three weeks or so. Uh, but, you know, this is the Bulls team that's fading here. And a Hornets team, I know now Bridges, unfortunately, is dealing with COVID. He'd been playing Really well for the Hornets. I like this Hornets team here. Money's coming in on the Bulls, however. It's now sitting here. Bulls are laying four, total at 217.5. How do you feel about this game? And you know what, James? Like, let's say we get Vucevic and let's say we get Levine together, right? Even when they were playing together, it's not like this team was really putting out like incredible offensive performances night after night. You know, part of the reason this team has been disappointing is yes, you know, the games that they have lost without Zach Levine on the floor, but they're also disappointing when these two were playing together, right? With Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic on the floor this season, the Chicago Bulls are outscored by 12.9 points every 100 possessions. They have an offensive rating of 104.7. They have a defensive rating of 117.5. Now, it's a really short sample size. It's less than 500 possessions. But those numbers I just read off to you right now, is that team favored by four points on the road against Charlotte? Right? Like, I get it. Miles Bridges isn't going to play here tonight. It uh, looks like Devontae Graham uh, is going to miss this contest as well. But Lamella Ball is back. Malik Monk is back. Terry Rozier is still on the floor. Last time I checked, you still had P.J. Washington. Like, this is not a Charlotte Hornets team that is overly reliant on Graham and Bridges. They're very important, but there's still a lot going for this team. So I think the Hornets are going to be in my pocket at some point. Like it just, I've never, I haven't seen anything from Chicago that makes me think that they're worthy to be favored on the road like this. Again, especially against a team that's as well coached as Charlotte. And the other is with those two on the floor, the numbers aren't very good. So I'm really surprised by this number. Maybe I'm missing something, but the fact that not only they're favored, James, but the fact that the market is willing to go from two and a half three, three and a half to four is really interesting. We're speaking with uh, Jonathan Von Tobel. He's our VSEN senior NBA expert. Um, okay, you mentioned off the top motivation. Uh, James and I talked about that. A lot to play for down the stretch here. Uh, I'm thinking Washington has a lot to play for. Uh, I'm seeing Toronto with a lot of players probably going to be out as, as if they haven't checked out. Uh, but yet they are laying two and a half uh, against the Wizards here. Yeah, Odie Ananobi, Chris Boucher, both aren't going to play. Both a little banged up. Looks like they're going to get Gary Trent Jr. on the floor, so that's going to be pretty good. He's, he's listed as probable. And, you know, and don't forget, Pritch, you know, this Toronto team mathematically still alive, right? They need to pretty much win out here. Yeah. A loss would pretty much be a death blow to them because Washington's ahead of them. So this is a pretty big contest. And also don't forget that Washington not only wants to maintain their lead here over Toronto, they're only half game back of Indiana, who they just beat the crap out of the other night. So this could be a win that pushes them past the Pacers and gets them into that 19 rage. So I'm a little surprised here that Toronto is like, I shouldn't say I shouldn't be surprised at their favor. They are at home. The home results have gotten a little bit better here and it's a poor spot for Washington, right? Second wave of the back to back to take on Milwaukee. Uh, you fight them tooth and nail ultimately fall short. And so coming back to take on Toronto is kind of a tough situation for them. So I understand the number here. But, you know, Washington has been a team that has been undervalued chronically throughout this entire run. We can look at their ATS results over the last 17 games, and that answers the question for you. Just look at their game against the Milwaukee Bucks, right, where they're catching four, four and a half points, and they only lose by one. And that one actually opened up six, and that was because they didn't know about the whole thing with their personnel. But regardless, this has been an undervalued team. They've covered five consecutive games, and I'd rather be on the Washington Wizards train than anything else, but the spot is pretty tough. And now minus one and a half for the Raptors as we just wrap that one up there. 
Yes. Yep. I have it out yeah. here too at, at Raptors Lane. That number's coming down. <laughs> so, JVT, a number that's moving the other direction in, f- in favor of the road team is the Atlanta Hawks. And I really want to get your gear breakdown, not so much on this game, obviously, here too, with the Hawks and coming off a nice, huge blowout win over the Suns yesterday, especially dominated the second half. But what's going on with this Pacers team right now? There's some talent. And I know Brogdon might, mean, might, might be out again, but there's plenty of talent on this team for the Pacers. But, you know, we're seeing. And coaches now getting uh, getting into it with their teammate or you know with their players on the on the sideline for the Pacers and then the Hawks the other side everybody's been dealing with COVID and injuries and this is a gritty Hawks team that they're not using those as excuses this team is competing on a nightly basis I really like what we've seen out of the Hawks lately and I totally understand why this number continues to move right now Hawks favored by six laying about uh, the total is about two forty. Yeah, I, I lay five today, James. You know, I'm in on Atlanta. Like, this is this is as much pro-Atlanta as it is anti-Indiana. Like, clearly something is going on with this coaching staff, whether it's their message. Like, something's falling on deaf ears with this team in, in Indiana, right? This is a team that I agree with you. You know, I have a ticket on them that's going to be tear, torn up. I bet them back in, like, late December, early January, Indiana, when the Eastern Conference at, like, 32-1. to 1. Like, this is a team that I think has a lot going for them. But, you know, the coaching staff, for whatever reason, just didn't connect with this squad. They've been disappointing. Injuries have been a part of it, too, right? John, this is bonus. Miles Turner, both missing time. But I think this is just a good spot again for Atlanta. If you look at Indiana, too, outside of the anecdotal stuff, their defense hasn't been good against quality competition, right? We could talk about how they limited the Sacramento Kings to 106.3 in terms of an offensive rating. But look at some of their, their top-tier opponents that they faced lately. Took on Washington the other day, defensive rating of 131.2. You took on the Brooklyn Nets, defensive rating of 121.2. You took on the Portland Trailblazers, defensive rating of 146.8. This has been a team that, when they have faced quality offenses, has really just come up short. So this is just an Atlanta play. And like I said, I was in on Atlanta minus five. We talked about it on Follow the Money. You talked about how good the Hawks have been. And keep in mind, too, you know, a little bit of blood in the water here in the Eastern Conference as the Knicks fall to the Denver Nuggets yesterday. Hawks are just a half game back from New York for a home, uh, home court advantage in what is going to be a 4-5 series with the Knicks. So Atlanta wants to keep on winning as well to try to solidify some sort of advantage in that round against the Knickerbockers. So this is a series. This, this is a spot where I lay five with Atlanta. You know, I'm willing to go down on laying five on the road with the Hawks given the status of the Pacers and what they've done against good offensive teams. Knickerbockers. There we go. Now we're talking. Good uh, yeah. Um, the Lakers, uh, do they have any uh, championship pedigree in them trying to avoid that play-in situation, uh, JVT? Um, plus eight uh, against the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, is there a chance to back the Lakers here? You know, it's going to be dependent, Pritch, on their defense showing up, right? And if you remember when they first lost LeBron James in the 12 games without him initially – they were the second-best defensive team in terms of efficiency. Like They had been performing at a really high clip, and it had really negated a lot of the issues offensively. The problem with the Lakers lately has been that offense has still been terrible, but the defense has regressed, right? If you look at some of their defensive ratings that they've turned out in this little bit of a slump that they have been on, losing six out of seven before they beat the Denver Nuggets, their offense or their defense have been atrocious. So now all of a sudden against Denver, shorthanded, they turn in a really good defensive performance, hold the Nuggets to a 93.7 offensive rate or to, yeah, offensive rating, can you do that again here against the Los Angeles Clippers? A Clippers team that can space you out, shoot you, one of the best shooting teams, actually the best shooting team in the NBA at this point, and starting to get fully healthy. Only guys on the injury report now for the Clippers are Serge Ibaka and Amir Coffey. So this is where the problem comes in for the Lakers. Yes, you know, your guys are going to be available. KCP, Anthony Davis, Marcus Gasol, all going to be on the floor. But when you don't have Dennis Schroeder, Taylor Horton Tucker, LeBron James, 
those are some really problematic injuries because those are shot creators. Those are guys who can create their own looks, create offense, and you don't have much outside of that. And then the other thing that I've talked about multiple times, the solo Anthony Davis-LeBron team is a poor um, Lakers team, I should put it that way, without LeBron, mm-hmm. is a really poor defensive team. And that's something that I think is going to work against them. So I can understand the market going against them, but it's not something I'm more comfortable with. We've seen the Clippers at a couple of times turn in some shorthanded performances, including the one against Denver that they lost. So ultimately got off. I can understand why the market's on the Clippers, but I, I haven't had enough there to do it. There he is, our uh, VCN senior NBA expert, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, doing a great job on Follow the Money in the mornings as well. Thanks again for your time, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. There he goes, JVT. Follow him on Twitter, at me, uh, JVT. Uh, James, good luck with everything. Uh, seriously. Uh, this is getting very, very interesting when you talk about all the spring sports, uh, in particular the NBA. Uh, I mean, good Absolutely. luck with those bets. That's all good. Yeah, I really like where the, we're sitting with the Hornets, like we just discussed with JVT, plus the four uh, team here with the Bulls. We're still just not functioning, whether Levine was in the lineup or not. I'm all about it right there with JVT, too. I like the Hornets. It's probably the, the nice dog that I have going tonight. Hornets plus four. All right. Great job. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on the program. Coming up next, my guys in the desert right here on v the Sports Betting Network.